You're listening to the Catholic Fragments Podcast, where we explore the treasures of Catholicism, the fullness of truth revealed in Jesus Christ and His Church. I'm your host, Dr. Donald Wallenfang, and I invite you to join me in gathering up the fragments of the truth that sets us free. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 13. Jesus proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat, and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, The weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your fields? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. His slaves said to him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? He replied, No, if you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until harvest. Then at harvest time I will say to the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Carol Houselander, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of the Catholic Fragments Podcast. I'm Dr. Donald Wallenfang. And this episode, we're going to look at the work of a lesser-known Catholic mystic of recent date, a woman named Carol Houselander. She's a British woman who was born in 1901 and died in 1954. Carol Hauslander was a convert to Catholicism. When she was six years old, her mother converted to Roman Catholicism, and she in turn was then baptized. Later on, there were some family issues between her parents, and her mother opened a boarding house to make money, and there were some different things that were turbulent for the family, and Carol ended up leaving the church as a teenager for a time. And this was a very difficult time in her life, full of trials, and she even experienced panic attacks sometimes. And if you've ever had a panic attack, you know that's not fun, and it's very scary and disorienting. She had struggles. She had some psychological struggles because all that she was going through with her family, and then this alienation from the church for a while. But she eventually came back with deep conversion, especially guided by the four Gospels in Scripture. And she wrote this provocative thing when she said that if people looked for Christ only in the saints, quote-unquote saints, then they would not find him. She really focused on 
finding what was sacred in the ordinary, what was sacred even in the profane. She was a contemplative. She developed into a mystic. She was from England, and she never married. English priest Father Ronald Knox said of her that she seemed to see everything for the first time, and the driest of doctrinal considerations shone out like a restored picture when she had finished with it, and her writing was always natural. She seemed to find no difficulty in getting the right word. No, not merely the right word, the telling word that left you gasping. During the Second World War, even medical doctors, psychiatrists, began sending patients to Hauslander for counseling and therapy, even though she herself lacked formal education in this area. But she displayed a genuine gift of empathy for the other, was able to listen and bear the suffering of the other within herself. And this she transferred even within her mystical experiences. One psychiatrist, Eric Strauss, who at one time was president of the British Psychological Society, said of Hauslander that she loved patients back to life. She was a divine eccentric. And Hauslander would die of breast cancer at the young age of 53. Some of her more well-known works include her 1941 book, called This War is the Passion, written in the throes of World War II. Another book called The Read of God on the Blessed Virgin Mary, published in 1944, toward the end of World War II. Then in 1949, her book called The Passion of the Infant Christ, that was later republished as Wood of the Cradle, Wood of the Cross, The Little Way of the Infant Jesus, by Sophia Institute Press in 1995. And now it's republished again by Cascade Books, an imprint of Whipfenstock Publications, entitled The Passion of the Infant Christ again. And this is the book from which I'm going to take an excerpt in this episode. This book, The Passion of the Infant Christ, or when I first received it from my mother, I had the edition that was entitled Wood of the Cradle, Wood of the Cross subtitled The Little Way of the Infant Jesus. The title itself grabbed my attention. My mother gave me a copy of this book as a gift right after a hernia surgery I had at the end of my undergraduate studies. And I was recovering at my parents' home and she gave me this book. And the title just really spoke to me, Wood of the Cradle, Wood of the Cross, connecting the infancy of Jesus to the culmination of his life and ministry, his suffering on the cross. I thought there must be something very mystical about this book. And sure enough, there was. Carol Hauslander, especially this book, has become one of my favorite works in Catholic mysticism, Catholic spirituality. Even though she's not a canonized saint, or at least not yet. What is so interesting about Hauslander's work is how she recognizes divine activity within the mundane. You could say she recognizes the mystical within the mundane. She focuses on what is simple, what is basic, what is plain, and finds a universe of meaning within the elemental, within the essential of life. She really thinks 
like the religious potential of the child, the theological genius of the child is very present in her work. And she was also an illustrator of children's books, religious books, as well as an artist and did woodworking and things. She's a very talented woman. And this book, I like to call it Wood of the Cradle, Wood of the Cross, but again also titled The Passion of the Infant Christ, is one of my favorite texts to read and reread and to teach. It's really shaped my conversion quite a bit at different times in my life. I have many passages that I have starred on the margins, many stars. I write wow and exclamation points. It's just one of those books, I think. So if you've never read this book, it's really not that long. It's very easy to read, but very profound. So I'm going to take some excerpts from just the beginning of this book that are based on that reading we heard, the parable of Jesus from the Gospel of St. Matthew chapter 13, about the farmer who sows this good seed into the field, also in some translations, clean seed into the field. But there's these weeds that grow up alongside the wheat, and it's this parable about the kingdom of God and our real daily lived human experience, human existence in this life. As one priest, Father Patrick Manning from Northeast Ohio, likes to say, as if we needed more proof that this ain't the kingdom. <laughs> That's often what we find in our daily walk with Christ. There's these various episodes that happen, and, and we can tell we're not at heaven yet. We have not arrived yet. But nevertheless, there is a redemptive suffering that we can undergo, uniting our own sufferings to that of Christ. So let's hear some words from Carol Hauslander. And this is not a translation since she is writing in English originally. But this is the very beginning of her introduction of this book, Wood of the Cradle, Wood of the Cross. Some truths need to be told over and over again. Our Lord repeated certain truths about himself and used certain images of himself over and over again, like the rhyme in a song. Repetition not only instills an idea into our minds, but it has the same power that rhythm has to make the idea part of us and dear to us, even when it is hard in itself. And this gently and easily. Just as a tune heard many times, sometimes quite unconsciously, becomes part of us and dear to us. But there is a difference between Christ's repetition and ours. He speaks creative words because he is God, and because as man he is a poet whom no other poet has ever come near to. His words echo and re-echo through the human heart. We, on the other hand, tend to become tedious in repetition, even when the thing that we are saying concerns God and is beautiful in itself. So I love how she begins this introduction of, of this book, and she's preparing us for where she's going with things. A lot of meditations on the parables of Jesus, beginning with this image of the kingdom of heaven in which there is a man who sowed in his field clean seed, good seed, the farmer who sows the seed. Many of us have heard this parable many times, 
And yet there's something new to be gained from it, to be gleaned from it, to be harvested from it, as we approach it again here with Carol Hauslander. So let's read further in chapter 1 as she begins to interpret this parable. She writes, The farmer is not impatient because the season of flowers and fruit is swiftly over and the winter is so long. He comes in early from his fields to doze content while firelight weaves the long dusk with gold. He is as conscious of life in winter when the crust of the earth is iron and not a leaf is on the hedges as when the fields are green and the bough is white. He has lived through cruel winters and heard old wives moaning, full of foreboding for the spring. He has seen frost and flood and driving wind alternating through the dark months. But he knows that with spring the snowdrop comes again, and the pale drift of crocus, and the delicate green blade of his early wheat. So she's talking about especially people living in the northern hemisphere and have this experience of the seasons of summer, fall, winter, spring, and this cycle of nature that happens. And she's talking about the farmer here. And the farmer, of course, we read as an image of God, the patience of God, the mercy of God who is patient waiting for a deeper and deeper conversion, and that God knows that his harvest will come about in the end, but is patient until that consummation of all things, that final judgment. And she goes on to say that the farmer knows that the life sleeping in the earth is stronger than anything that can assail it, that the life that is in all living things is stronger than death, that is the knowledge, which is the root of his peace. The farmer has peace, and so does the follower of Christ, the farmer par excellence, God in the flesh. The follower of Christ also has peace with what's going on in life. That the will of God will come about. That the word of God will not be left barren. She says further, the mystery of the seed is his. It belongs to the sower, the farmer. It is one, but multiple. Dry, but contains the water of life. Little, but fills the earth. It is within the ripe ear of wheat, and the ripe ear of wheat is within it. Scattered on the wind, it is not lost, but carries life wherever the wind blows. It sows the meadows and the woods. It sows the cleft in the rock. It sows the roadside and the ditch. It sows the dust heaps in the cities. Buried, it springs from the grave, a green herb of life. It is the symbol of Christ and the kingdom of heaven. Wow, I just can't get enough of this prose. I can't get enough of this text. It's so... Simple but so vivid. She's a great writer. The narrative just makes all of what she's saying come alive in the imagination. And we understand just a little more what Jesus is trying to teach us in this parable of the weeds among the wheat, the sower and the seed. It is so beautiful.
Let's just read on just a little further with Houselander. While the seed sleeps, it grows. The reason of the sleeping seed is the season of man's rest. Rest is the condition of natural growth. Equally, it is the condition of supernatural life. If Christ is to come to flower and bear fruit in individual lives, there must be seasons of rest in which there is almost no activity but the giving wholly of self to nourish the supernatural life, just as the earth in which the seed is buried is given to nourish the bread. But, and this is even more important, there must be a permanent state of inward rest, founded in the peace of mind which comes from complete trust. A state of mind inducing such rest becomes habitual if we fold our thoughts upon the knowledge that in us is the seed of the Christ life. If we fold our whole being round this fact, as the earth is round the seed, our minds will be at rest. So wonderful things that she's saying here. I wish I really could read this whole book straight through here and make this into an audiobook. That's what we really need. But I believe this is an audiobook too. You could get it there or, or in print. But wow, it is, it is so powerful. And what she's saying here in our life of discipleship, often we can be so busy about things, even for the kingdom of God, be very active, be like busy bodies, and give ourselves no rest. Even on, on the Sabbath, we give ourselves no rest. We give ourselves no space for contemplation. That growth of prayer from vocal prayer to meditation and to contemplation. She says we need to do this. We need to give wholly of ourselves sometimes to nourish the supernatural life. Whenever we see Jesus engaging in ministry, often he prays first and after like he's gearing up to pounce into a new setting of ministry. But even Jesus rests. He rests as a counterpart and companion to very active evangelization and healing. So this is very instructive for us. One last passage that I think is is so rich. And I'm doing everything I can just to stop here with this last little bit. God, she says, is the divine sower. The world is his field. Going back to the parable. He sowed it in the beginning with all our necessities. Bread, fruit, water, wine, linen, silk, and wool. Resin, crystal, gold, oil, salt, fire, and light. Before sin had brought pain into the world, God had hidden remedies for pain in it. I love that line so much. It's so true. One more time. Before sin had brought pain into the world, God had hidden remedies for pain in it. Men would discover the gifts of the divine healer and call them by names, as Melodius says, the names of the nine choirs of angels, chamomile, Hellebore, heartsease, thyme, verbena, lavender, dwale. Most wonderful of all, there was bread. God rejoiced in the world that he had made, 
And God saw all the things that he had made, and they were very good. The Creator had stored the world for man, and to man himself he had given a mind and a will that would enable him to respond to his love. But God's joy at the dawn of his creation was in more than this. In his fields, he had one little plot apart, lying under snow, where no foot had ever trodden, silent with the silence of snow that no voice had ever broken. In it, he sowed living bread. This little plot was Our Lady, the Blessed Virgin Mary. In her was sown the seed of Christ. The good seed which God had sown was the seed of his son's life. How is this for... A fragment <laughs> of this episode of the Catholic Fragments podcast. Carol Hauslander, Wood of the Cradle, Wood of the Cross. Just some brief excerpts from the very beginning of this book. So rich, so wonderful. I hope you get a chance to read it, perhaps even listen to it as an audiobook. Thank you for listening along with me and maybe being introduced for the first time to the mystical writings of the English 20th century mystic. Carol Hauslander. Thank you for joining me on the Catholic Fragments podcast, where you are equipped to think toward the whole, to pray from the heart, and to live as a witness 